people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means.
morning, everybody. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We serve an awesome God, and He is in our midst, Heavenly Father. We're so grateful for who you are and what you've done. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your Holy Spirit. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. And let's stand up. We're going to worship. Last Sunday of the year. Are you ready to worship? God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty God. Yeah. Greater than all we see. Greater than all we ask. He has done
chains have been broken off this year. <laughs> that the enemy meant to bound, to bind, to stop, to prevent. But we know, God, that it's for freedom. Hallelujah. Yeah. Chains have been
maker. Lord, come on, let's worship in this house. Oh, you're the way maker. It's what your name is. Jesus is the only way. such a name. Thank you, Father, for raising him up. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. We lift our voice to you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. We give you honor and praise and glory in this place. Because of who you are. You're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are the bread of life, the living water. You are the rock of our salvation. You are our chief cornerstone. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're the Savior. You're the Redeemer. Hallelujah. You're the life giver. thank you for being here with us and Lord we thank you that you speak to us today is a day of new opportunities and open doors I am resurrecting dead desires and dead dreams Things that you have seemed unachievable or things that you have forgotten but have been in you. I'm calling them forth today. I am the dream maker. I am the resurrection and the life. So come forth dreams. Come forth destiny. Come forth desire. Hallelujah. Hey Amen. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. 
They do a phenomenal job. And we are blessed for the musicians and the singers and for you today. Thank you for being here, visiting us. If you're visiting for the first time, we just want to welcome you. And uh, we just bless you and praise you. Hallelujah. And we'd love to uh, get to know you better. So welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship. I'm Pastor Doug. This is my lovely wife, Dr. Fiona. You like and saying that, don't you? I do. Well, it's true. I think Hallelujah. Pastor Doug's happier about the doctor than I might be. But Are we ready Amen. to make our confession? So what we like to do here is we like to speak the word, and every quarter we emphasize a different subject. And this is our last day for this confession because we'll emphasize a new subject next week. So we invite you to join us as we make our confession. Amen. God, God is, is very good, good to us. His, His Holy Spirit reveals to us what God, God has freely given to us. We have and enjoy the good things that God has made available to us. We are greatly blessed by the Lord, and we possess the gates of our enemies. We are joint heirs with Jesus, and we take hold of all our inheritance. The Lord has separated us to himself. And, and he has, has given, given us, us territory to possess. Our, Our land, land is fruitful, productive, thriving, and flourishing. God gives us his best. Wherever Father God has planted us, we take possession of our land. By doing God's commands, statutes, and judgments, we gain divine wisdom and understanding and become great in God's sight. We are God's people his priests who minister to him. We eat the wealth of nations and prosper in God. Instead of shame, we have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, we shout for joy over our portion. Jesus is our portion. In our land, we possess double and everlasting joy belongs to us. God faithfully rewards us and makes an everlasting covenant with us. Everything that God has promised has been made available to us, and we can possess it all. God establishes and confirms us in Christ, and He anoints us. We are never disappointed because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Everything in the Bible is for our instruction. We are encouraged by God's written word to have hope, and we overflow with confidence in his promises. We glorify, praise, and honor the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see each of you here at Victory Christian Fellowship. Happy New Year from us 
here at Victory Christian Fellowship. We wish you a God-blessed, overflowing, abundant, bountiful, bigger, better, more beautiful new year. All right. Woohoo! I'm excited. Are you excited? All right. Okay. Tuesday is Youth Day. So that's when we have our youth group every Tuesday. This Tuesday, please note, the schools are not in session in Palmyra, so we won't have this generation during the school day. But we are having new generation in the evening from, we're still announcing 6 o'clock, but we have some special things. We have homework help coming up before our start time so we can help our students get their homework completed. But anyway, 6 to 8 is what we're advertising and we're glad Miss Dottie's back in the kitchen with us, cooking us that delicious Miss Dottie food. And uh, for, for our Christmas party, we had a special request for Miss Dottie's spaghetti. So you know it's good. And it was very good, Miss Dottie. She's like, I don't know what's so special about my spaghetti. It's the secrets in her sauce. <laughs> All right. So that's Tuesday night. Wednesday, we have Wednesday night refreshing here. That's at 6.30. You want to come be refreshed, revived, renewed, refueled, and we rejoice a lot. Yes, a lot of rejoicing happening here. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, rejoice. All right. And then Thursday, we have Bible Adventure. That's Bible Adventure is a children's program for third through fifth graders, and we minister to the Word of God to Forge and Northside Elementaries in our town. We bus them here on our victory bus with our bus driver, Mr. Mike. He gets gets them here and back again, so that's wonderful. And that happens around 1230 to about 230. So if you're interested in participating in any way in that, see Miss Chris Frenchick or call the office and Miss Lisa can inform you of how you can help out with that. You don't need to be here for the whole time, any part that you're able to help because we have two schools. So some people come for one school and not the second school or vice versa. Okay. Oh, I skipped over a new announcement. It says new, men's book club. Yeah. Men's book club. Pastor Nelson is leading this. Yeah. And we're going to hold it the same time as the women's book club. But they are going to be in the upper room. Upstairs in the kids' room. And the food can be prepared on the grill. (laughs) yes so you know men love to grill food right or eat it if you don't like to grill it you like to eat it okay so men you're going to start with the outdoorsman which is a book co-authored by pastor doug and pastor nelson and you're going to have a great time so bring some friends with you guys ages 12 and up and start something new this year January 21st. God bless you. All right, guys, you're stepping up. I like it. (laughs) Well, I wanted to share something with you before. This is last Sunday of the year. 
and um, before Pastor Doug preaches, I want to share with you, here's something you should do today. It's the last day of the year. You should forgive every single person that has done anything to you at any time previous to today. It could have been 10 years ago. It could have been yesterday. You have to forgive. It's not a matter of what the, de- the degree of the infraction is. That's not for you to give penance on. <laughs> you, your job is to unhook this person from you. So, uh, Because the hook of a person that has um, hurt you, even if they're a family member, it could be a spouse, a friend, a child, a parent, that particular hook is not appropriate to be connected to you. So you want to disassociate that particular thing as your connection to that person. You understand? So you can make that relationship, put it in its proper place in your life. So that's my thing for you today. Your one item on your to-do list is to forgive. Because that gives us the privilege of being forgiven by God for our infractions that we may do. But it's also us elevating our love walk. You see how this works? So you have to, the memory of the person cannot be connected to the pain that they caused you. It has to be if they were a teacher, your memory of them was they were your teacher, not they were my teacher that messed up my life. (laughs) If they were your parent, your memory of them is they produced something from their life to give me the option to be here. That's your connection, right? Everybody good with that? One thing is that look how quick It's probably what two minutes. That's Thank you, guys. That's a good word. Hallelujah. All right. Um, just want to read the scripture, two scriptures from uh, Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, I'm reading from the Amplified. Uh, Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. And uh, <clears throat> it says... Proverbs 11:24 There is one who generously scatters abroad and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want and poverty. The generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. Reaping the generosity he has sown. All right? So every time we come together, we have an opportunity to be generous, not only here, but also in helping people. Amen? God is a generous God. And uh, he, he came up with the idea of giving. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. And uh, you have an opportunity to give today. If you just so desire, uh, we don't take a, uh, we don't pass a, 
collection container. Uh, but we do have two containers, one by our bookstore and one as you came in. And you can literally give any time during the service. So uh, you can just drop it in there. If you're watching online, uh, you can give through our website. If you need to use a card, uh, you can use that in our bookstore. If you make out a check, just make it out to VCF. And uh, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise for the, your goodness and your promise to givers. Lord, your return on generosity. And I call every giver and gift blessed in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory for you alone are worthy in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, is that uh, video ready? All right. Uh, I, I wanted to share this video with you. It's a video from John Bevere, but he talks about how Jesus fulfilled prophecy. He talks about the probability of it. It's just about eight minutes long, so I just want you to pay attention and uh, you can reap uh, some good things from this. So can we talk about the scripture for a few minutes? 66 books of the Bible written over a 1,500-year time span. Do you understand how long 1,500 years is? If I go back 1,500 years from right now, we're at 515 A.D. There hasn't even been a British Empire yet. That's a long time ago. Okay? 1,500 years. 66 books are written by over 40 writers from three different continents in three different languages. We got kings, we got prisoners, we got soldiers, military men, we got shepherds, we got farmers, we got a physician, we got a tax collector who's a mafia guy. And you put all these guys' books together over 1,500 years. Now, many of them lived in different generations and don't know what the other guy wrote. You put them all together and you get a perfectly harmonized book. Do you know what that's like? That's like looking at 40 different writers over the last 1,500 years and saying, write a chapter of a novel, putting the whole thing together after 1,500 years and having it make any sense. But not only that, it gets even better. If you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament's 39 books written over 1,100 years. And the last book of the Old Testament is written 400 years before Jesus is even born. I mean, go back 400 years from right now. There's no Atlanta Braves. You don't even have the Falcons yet. You don't have the United States. I mean, the Pilgrims just got on the boat. That's a long time. The last book was written 400 years before Jesus was even born. Now, you got these 39 books written by all these different authors for over 1,100 years, many of them living in different generations, not knowing what the other guy wrote. And you know what these guys did? They made predictions about the Messiah. Things like he'd ride in Jerusalem on a donkey, he'd be betrayed by a friend, he'd be born in Bethlehem, he'd be called out of Egypt, he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, he'd be crucified. And they made over 300 predictions, with the last one being made 400 years before Jesus was even born. And do you know Jesus fulfilled all 300 of those predictions? So... There's a scientist named Dr. Peter Stoner who has since gone to heaven, but he was an expert in probability. Do you know what probability is? 
If I have a five-gallon paint bucket and I have nine white tennis balls and I have one yellow tennis ball and I shake them all up and I blindfold somebody and I say, reach in, grab one ball, the chance of picking out that one yellow tennis ball is one in ten. Well, he's an expert in this. So Dr. Stoner wants to know what is the probability that anybody can fulfill these prophecies. So he doesn't do the work himself. He employs 600 science students from 12 different classes. And they spent years of research. Not years. They spent months of research. The the National American Scientific Council reviewed their work and said not only was their work accurate, but it was conservative. So what I'm about to share with you is conservative. Please remember that. So they said, all right, what are the chances that any human being from any human being in the world from the time of the birth of Christ until the end of the second millennium, 2,000 years, could fulfill just eight of the prophecies? So here's the eight prophecies they chose. Christ, Christ to be born in Bethlehem. That's Micah wrote that. Christ to be preceded by a messenger. Isaiah and Malachi in different generations wrote that. Christ entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah in a totally different generation wrote that. Christ to be betrayed by a friend. The psalmist in a completely different generation wrote that. And there's the rest of the eight. They took those eight prophecies said, what is the chance any human being over 2,000 years could fulfill those eight prophecies? You know what the, after all their calculations, you know what the chances are? One in ten to the 17th power. Now, what in the world is that? 10 to the 17th is a 1 with 17 zeros behind it. I don't even know how to say that number. And I have an engineering degree. It's not gazillion billion. I got news for you. Okay, but I can illustrate that number. If I have that many silver dollars, I have no place on earth to store them. I have to just spread them out all over the ground. And if I do, if I have that many silver dollars and I spread them out all over the ground, I will cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep with those silver dollars. Now, gather them all in, mark one of the silver dollars, shuffle them all up, redistribute them all over Texas, blindfold a guy in Oklahoma, put him in a helicopter, start flying over Texas. Remember, it takes two days to drive through Texas. At any point, he can say, let down. Then he gets out of the helicopter, still blindfolded. The chances of him picking up that one silver dollar is 1 in 10 to the 17th power, which means that is the chances that any human being could have fulfilled eight of those prophecies, yet Jesus fulfilled all eight prophecies. So Dr. Stoner said, what about 16 prophecies? So they do all these hours of calculation, he and the 600 science students. And they say that the chances any human being could have fulfilled 16 prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 45th power. That's a 1 with 45 zeros behind it. Don't even ask me to write that number down. Now, if I have that many silver dollars, I can't store them on the earth. It's too many. I've got to make a big ball of silver dollars. I've got to make a sphere of them, okay? You know how big this sphere would be? The diameter of that sphere would be 60 times the distance of the earth to the sun. If you want mileage, it's 5.5 billion miles. Now, mark one of those silver dollars. Shuffle them all up. Blindfold the guy, put him in a jet plane. It will take 400 years nonstop flight just to fly around the ball. At any point, he could say, let down. Now, remember, he might have to dig 2.75 billion miles into the center because the Mark one might be in the center. But the chances of him picking up that one silver dollar is 1 in 10 to the 45th power. That is the chances that any human being could have fulfilled 16 of the prophecies. Yet Jesus fulfilled all 16. 
So can I blow your mind? Can I really blow your mind one more time? Can I blow it? So Dr. Stoner said, what about 48 prophecies? What are the chances anybody could fulfill 48 prophecies? So they do hours and hours of calculations. And you know what they found out? It's 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Now, how big is that number? I can't use the silver dollar. It's too big. I got to go to a smaller item. I got to go to an electron. Now, do you know how small an electron is? Let me just tell you. If you got a one-inch line of electrons, straight line, one inch, and I start counting tonight, and I don't go to sleep, I will count. If I count 250 per minute, it will take me 19 million years to count that one-inch line of electrons. Now, if I have that many electrons, one in 10 to the 157 power, I got to make a sphere of electrons. You know how big the sphere would be? It would be as far as man has ever seen into space, 13 billion light years. Now, mark one of those electrons. (laughs) Blindfold the guy, put him in a space shuttle, send him into space. At any point, he can say, stop. The chances of picking out that one marked electron is the chance that any human being could have fulfilled 48 of those prophecies. Yet Jesus fulfilled all 48. (laughs) So can we review here? Can we review? Okay, we got... We got 39 books written over 1,100 years by all these guys. Many of them don't even live in the same generation. They make these predictions about the Messiah with the last one being 400 years before he was even born. And Jesus fulfills all 300. And you tell me the Bible doesn't apply to today? You're stupid. The Bible is for today. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we got some awesome kids in this place. We're going to dismiss our kids to their kids' life class. And we like to cheer as kids go out so that we communicate that God is fun. So kids, have a great class. Amen. Well, here are some uh, kids' proverbs. They're not from the Bible necessarily. They're just sayings. So uh, a first, grader, uh, first grade teacher collected well-known proverbs, and she gave each child in her class uh, the first half of a proverb and asked to come up with the remainder of the proverb. And uh, here's hear what they said. Uh, As you shall make your bed, so shall you mess it up. (laughs) Better to be safe than punch a fifth grader. (laughs) Strike while the bug is close. (laughs) It's always darkest before daylight savings time. (laughs) Never underestimate the power of termites. (laughs) You can lead a horse to water, but how? (laughs) Don't bite the hand that looks dirty. (laughs) You can teach an old dog, or you can't teach an old dog new math. (laughs) The pen is mightier than the pigs. An idle mind is the best way to relax. (laughs) Where there's smoke, 
there's pollution. (laughs) A penny saved is not much. (laughs) Just some Proverbs of kids. Hallelujah. Well, we are so very glad that you're here at Victory Christian Fellowship. You're not here by accident or coincidence. You're here by design. And uh, God knows each and every one of you. And he has a word for you today. Amen. How many know God is a word person? And his words have power. What we see and don't see was created by God's word. So this, this morning... Uh, on Friday, God put this on my heart, and it's a message that I want to deliver to you today, and uh, it's called Next Level Living. Yes. How many would like to go to a next level yes. in your life? All right? The next level, what is the next level living? It's a better, more advanced, more successful situation than before. Amen? It means to advance the cause. It means to be ahead of the curve. It means to move ahead. To further improve something. To surpass others. To begin the next phase. To reach new heights. To move to a higher plane. Or to raise the bar. Or begin a new chapter. How many would like to begin a new chapter? Amen. There's more to be written about your life. There's more to be done. God is not done with you yet. It doesn't matter if you're retired and you just want to enjoy. Moses didn't get started until he was 80. And uh, maybe you're just starting out and you're young. Well, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. I think that covers us all, huh? But in 2024, God wants to take you to the next level. And uh, he wants to do things in your life. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to talk about uh, how God took a shepherd and made him a king. That's a new level, right? You go from shepherding people to ruling people. Amen. And uh, God wants, look at your neighbor and say, God wants to take you to the next level. So we're going to talk about next level living. All right? In order to move to the next level, you're going to have to change the way you think, speak, and act. And uh, that's why God wants us to renew our minds every day. So that we're constantly inputting our life with what God said about us, with what God uh, wants to do in this earth. Amen. We don't serve a dead God. He's very much alive and he's very much active. And he's got his mission is to spread the gospel all around the world. And the primary institution that does that through the earth is the church. Amen. You are the church. We are the church. This building is not the church. It is where the church meets. Now, we call it the church, but the church is you and I. Amen? And God wants us to go to some next level living. All right? What, what are some examples of next level living? To, do, to finally do what you're called and anointed to do. 
There came a point in time in my life when I was born, I didn't know what I was called to do, but then I met God and I found out. And I started to do what I was called to do when I was 21. Actually, when I was uh, 19 is when I made the commitment. And I started moving toward that direction when I was 21. That's when I first went to Bible school. And uh, that was part of the plan that God revealed to me. So maybe if you haven't begun doing what you're called to do, you can start. I mean, that's the next level living, right? Uh, Take on a new responsibility or a new position. Amen, that's next level living. Promotion comes from God. Amen? He holds the hearts of kings in his hand. And maybe God would have for you a new responsibility or a new position. Maybe you just want to improve your life. You know, the biggest room uh, to, in, any, in any place is a room for improvement. And uh, you, you might want to improve your life, spiritual, physical, financial, social, and mental. Right? You, aren't you glad that as human beings, we can learn, we can develop, we can grow. You may stop growing physically, but you can still grow mentally. You can still grow spiritually. Amen. You can grow financially. If you, if you were making a hundred thousand, how about a million? That's a new level living. Amen. How many things are possible with God? It is possible, isn't it? People in the earth have become billionaires. Right? It is possible. But you have to have the drive, the determination, the perseverance, and everything like that. All right? Next level living, maybe you just need to strengthen your faith this year. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, you know, faith is like a muscle. It grows. It expands. It develops. Maybe you just need to strengthen your faith for a new level living. Maybe you need to possess something that you don't have. Possess something that you don't have. Well, you own a house. How about five houses in different locations? Amen? Oh, that's just for the uber rich. No, that's for you. Say, that's for me. If, if, If people can do it, you can do it. And with God, you certainly can do it. Amen? Jesus told his disciples, if you've left all, you will get in this lifetime fathers, mothers, sisters, brethren, and houses. You know, people in the New Testament, they had more than one house because they sold one and gave it to the church. Amen? Hallelujah. Possess something that you don't have. Deepen your relationship with God or a significant other. Right? Maybe 2024 is the year where you really dive deep into God. Amen? God will give you what you want to have. If you want to have a little, you'll get a little. If you want to have a lot... You'll get a lot. Amen? Along with lot, you'll get an Abraham. No, that's just a little side joke. <laughs> Maybe a, new, a next level living is to start a business. Is to create something that is in you to create. Maybe there's something that you desire to do, but it hasn't been done yet. Maybe this will be the opportunity. Next level living. Amen? Maybe... You want to do a great exploit in the earth. Make an impact for God. The best thing that you can do for God is share the gospel with as many people as you know. Amen. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to see some principles here in this story 
of how this young shepherd boy became a king. God took him from the flocks to the throne. Amen? That's new level living. Amen? You know, shepherds, they often stay outside with their sheep. When I was in Kenya, uh, we, we went to a church in the middle of the wilderness. It took us an hour drive. We had to drive across a dry riverbed. <laughs> and along the way, on this dirt road, we saw a lot of shepherds and their flocks. And they hang out with the sheep. You know, if you hang out with the sheep, you smell like the sheep. <laughs> Nothing bad about that. But, uh, but David, he was a shepherd, but God took him to the throne. I mean, it was God's plan for him to be a king. And that's a new level living. Amen. So first Samuel chapter 16, verse one. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. All right? So, number one, point number one is extended or prolonged grief can hinder you from going to the next level. Samuel was a prophet of God. And God used him to anoint the first king of Israel. Israel had had never had a king before, but they wanted to be like other nations. Be careful when you want to reflect the world. It was never God's plan or will for Israel to have natural kings. He was going to be their king. But the people persisted and whined, and, and this was their desire, so God gave it to them because God's a good God. And uh, the first king was Saul. And Samuel anointed him, so he had a close relationship with Saul. And Saul failed following God. And he lost his kingship. He lost the anointing. And so here, God's about to replace the king with another king. He's about to take someone from an obscure place and put them in a next level living, in a next level position. Amen? So, extended or prolonged grief can hinder you from going to the next level. God tells Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Yes, there is a time of mourning. When you incur a loss in your life, there is a time of mourning. Everybody say a time. There's a beginning and an ending, but sometimes people can get caught up in the morning. They they get so caught up in what they lost, they lose all of their focus, and they're only focusing on what they don't have, not what God wants them to have. So God asked the question, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? In other words, he was telling Samuel, you're mourning too long. You're getting over into an area that I don't want you to be in because it's going to hinder you. It's going to hinder my plan for your life. All right? To grieve, this word, mourn or grieve, it's the word uh, abal. It means uh, to bewail, to lament, 
Uh, see, grieving for a Saul is grieving over a failure, a mistake, or an act of disobedience. See, Samuel had great hopes for Saul. So did God, actually. But God knows the end before the beginning. It's not like when Saul failed, God goes, oh, no, what am I going to do now? God already had a plan in place. Okay? But if you find yourself grieving too much over a loss in your life, you need to get over it. Because that's going to hinder your progress. That's going to close the door to the next level. All right? If you made a mistake, repent and move on. If you missed the mark, go to God and ask forgiveness and move on. I mean, when you get knocked down, you don't say, help, I can't get up. You get up, don't you? If you trip and fall, you get up. One of the funniest moments in high school, maybe it shouldn't be so funny, but it was to me. Um, the high school that I went to had a lot of stairs. And, and one time I, I was downstairs and, and I was going to a class and this girl was going upstairs and she kind of tripped going up and didn't hurt herself or anything, but it just struck me so funny. It was hard to contain myself. <laughs> Don't worry. I repented, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you would have saw what I saw, you would have laughed too. It was just, it was just funny. Pro- extended grief, prolonged regret, and overly mournful will cause you to be stuck. There is a grieving. Okay, I, yeah, I already said that. How long will you grieve? You grieve as long as God says it's time to go move on. Amen? God told Joshua. Joshua was the servant of Moses. When, when they exited Egypt and they were making their way into the wilderness, the first battle that they fought was against the Amalekites and uh, Moses called on Joshua to get some men to gather to fight. So Joshua, uh, he did whatever Moses commanded him to do. And he, he served Moses. He helped Moses. He accompanied Moses to the tabernacle. He accompanied Moses uh, partway up the mountain. And uh, there came a point in time in Joshua chapter 1 where God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. <clears throat> now arise and go into the land that I've given you and possess it. Amen. Joshua was getting into that place where he was overly, he was stepping over into a, an area and he was grieving too much, right? Uh, go, to, go with me to Genesis 11, chapter 31. I mean, uh, chapter thir- 11, verse 31. Genesis 11, verse 31. And I want you to see this because it hindered a family's progress, Okay? Genesis 11 and 31, and uh, this is the father of Abraham, and uh, it says this, and Terah took Abram his son 
and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son. So Haran was a son of Abraham. He had three, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Terah. He had Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Okay? Three sons of Abraham. So, I'm sorry, three sons of Terah. Abraham's brothers. There we go. All right? So Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son, uh, Abram's wife, and they went forth from Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan. Look at that phrase, to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Once they entered Haran, they never got to Canaan. Why? Haran had died before Terah did. Terah couldn't get over the loss of his son, so he dwelt in Haran. All right? Verse 32. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died. The Bible says they were going to Canaan, but they never made it. So what did God do? He called Abram. And he spoke to him, and he said, I'm going to cause you to uh, enter a next level living. And it was Abram that went into Canaan. It was Abram that walked through Canaan. But I believe it was, it was the will for the family to do it. But Terah couldn't get over the loss. He couldn't get over the loss. Go to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Isaiah 60 and verse 1. See, if you're going to go into the next, if you're going to enjoy next level living, you got to get over past losses. You don't live by your losses. You live by victory. You live by triumph. Yeah, you may have suffered a loss. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, that was a loss. That was a payment for sin. But once he was resurrected, he never talked about the pain of the cross. He never talked about the pain of the crucifixion. Why? He was resurrected. He entered into a next level living. So when you're in the next level living, you don't talk about the past. I'm sorry, you can mention the past, but it's not your focus. You don't want to forget things, but you don't want to... Isaiah 60, verse 1. Here's a good word to go to the next level. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Say, my light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Praise the Lord. Woo! God's glory is on you. When God's glory is on you, you don't hang around darkness. You don't hang around the mud. You you go forward. Amen? Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness, the people, but the Lord. Everybody say, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Why? Because he's got some people that want to go to next level living. Not everybody may want to go, but there's some people, there's a remnant that God has that wants to go into the next level. He want, They want to step into a new anointing. They want to do great things for God, even greater things. Believers weren't meant to be mediocre. They were meant for, you were meant for excellence. And you know what? 
God knows the harmfulness of sin. Genesis 6, 6, he regretted. The Bible says God regretted that he made mankind on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. He wasn't grieved. He was grieved because of the sin. God knows the destructiveness of sin. God hates sin. That's why he sent Jesus to be a cure. Because he hates sin. Why does he hate sin? See, God knows the pain of sin. Because it brings guilt, shame, and condemnation. God knows the destruction of sin. It ruins people, things, relationships, and God's image. Whose image are you created in? But sin tarnishes and mars God's image, and he hates it. Say, God hates sin. You know, what God hates, we can hate. Amen? Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. All right? God knows the bondage of sin. It captures, incarcerates, and destroys. God knows the consequence of sin. It leaves a wake of devastation. Do you realize that there was no death in this earth until sin occurred? Sin brought Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's sin in this world, and it brought death. And this world is fallen. This world was, is different from where God created it because it's under a curse. But when Jesus comes again, that curse on the earth is going to be lifted. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. That's curse free. And then finally, God knows the price of sin's cure. It costs God's only son to suffer on a cross. You want to talk about a high payment. But you know what? He was glad to pay it. God was glad to pay your debt. But if you're going to go to next level living, all right, let's go back to 1 Samuel 16 now. Because all throughout this story of David is how we go to next level living. Amen? How many people want to go to next level living? There are other levels in God. You know, there are dimensions in in God that we haven't even uh, tapped into. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 3, we can know the depth, the length, the width, and the height of the love of God. Those are four dimensions of God's love. Amen? Did you know that you can live in a fourth dimension? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Fourth dimension. Amen? All right, 1 Samuel, chapter 16. First point is, don't uh, prolonged grief can hinder you from going. Number two, point number two, uh, the, the Bible said, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Don't accept what God has rejected. When God rejects something, that's done. And if you're going to accept what God rejects, you're going against God. He said, why are you grieving over Saul? Because I have rejected him as king. Now, I want to tell you, God just doesn't reject people. People reject God before God rejects them. And I'm going to show you that. To be reje- This word rejected is the word uh, 
Maak, M-A-A-C. It means to spurn, to disappear, to abhor, to cast away, to uh, condemn, despise, disdain, uh, to refuse, all right? Um, to move away. See, we have to move on from what God rejects. You can't help what God rejects. There was nothing that anybody could have done for Saul because he did it to himself. And if you're trying to help something that God rejected, that's a lost cause. You know, when Joshua uh, took Jericho, he said, no man is ever going to build this city ever again. And if they try to do it, it's going to be at the cost of their firstborn or something like that. And someone tried to rebuild Jericho and exactly what God said happened. Amen? Listen, you want to be with God, not against God. I want to be on God's side, not opposite of God. So don't accept what God rejects. Don't accept sin. God rejects sin. If someone mistreats you or abuses you or or does something, you don't have to accept it. You can reject it. Amen? Amen? So, hallelujah. How did this happen? Saul's downfall didn't just happen one time. It was a consistent disobeying God's word. Not doing what God said time and time and time again. Okay? Uh... In, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Samuel 13, verses 8 to 14, uh, Samuel told Saul in uh, 1 Samuel 10, he said, now when you become king, he said, you're going to go to this place. He said, wait for me for seven days, and I'm going to show up, and then I'm going to sacrifice to God, and I'm going to show you what to do, right? Is that instruction pretty clear? Yeah. Wait seven days. Wait till I come there. And uh, I'm going to sacrifice. See, kings weren't called by God to make sacrifices. Prophets were. Priests were. You got to be careful if you try to do something that you're not called to do. Because then you're doing it without God. You're doing it all on yourself, all in your own power. And even Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. So if Jesus can't do anything of himself, neither can we. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his word. Amen. This is a word for in season. All right? But the Bible tells us that it was seven days, Samuel hadn't showed up, and Saul got impatient. He got the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the flesh. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. Impatience is the fruit of the flesh. He was impatient, and he... Samuel hadn't showed up, but the seventh day hadn't completed yet. And uh, so Saul went ahead and did the sacrifice himself. And when Samuel got there, he said he acted foolishly. Say foolishly. Does God promote foolishness? God promotes wisdom. So he was acting contrary to God's word. And, And the Bible said that Saul did not keep God's word. 
Samuel told him, he said, your obedience would have established your kingdom forever, but his disobedience caused him his kingdom not to endure. Okay? And uh, it was in, in 1 Samuel 13, 14. You can pull that up. 1 Samuel 13, 14. The Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart and has appointed him as a leader and ruler over Israel. And we know the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. What does it mean to, be, to have a heart for God? It means to be quick to repent and quick to forgive. Even though you make mistakes, you, you make up for it quickly. Amen? How many know that if you make a mistake, the quicker you repent, the more uh, God is, is, is going to show you mercy? When Adam and Eve sinned, right? And, and God came down to the garden, and he's saying, Hey, Adam, where were you? Did you think that God didn't know where he was? God knew exactly where Adam was. What was he doing when he said, Adam, where are you? He was giving him an opportunity to take responsibility of his mistake and to man up and to ask forgiveness. But he kept hiding. He said, why are you hiding, Adam? Because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? That woman you gave me. (laughs) No responsibility for his own mistake. No responsibility for his own actions. Had he owned up to his mistake, God would have showed him greater mercy. Because he didn't, he, he, he diminished his own mercy. Amen? So, uh, even though Saul, he remained in the position of a king, God did not recognize him as a king anymore. Why? Because the anointing left him. We'll see about that in here in a little bit. He held a position without a divine anointing. That's a scary thing because then it's all in the flesh. I mean, even Jesus didn't perform a miracle until he was anointed. You know, if you ever heard stories about Jesus performing a miracle when he was a boy, that they're lies because the Bible, which is the true word of God, records his first miracle was at a wedding in Cana. He didn't do any miracles before that. And he didn't do any miracles until he was anointed. But once he was anointed at his baptism, when the Holy Spirit came on him, that's when he did, that's when he was enabled to do miracles. Amen? So, um, there came a point in time when God was no longer with Saul. And when God is not with you, that gives an opportunity for evil to come to you. Okay? So, disobedience and rebellion disqualifies you from God's anointing. And it opens the door for demonic torment. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Because we have to see this story because it all ties together. But don't worry, we're getting to the next level. All right? But I got to show you how David got there. Amen? I mean, David just didn't wake up one day, whoo, I'm in the next, I'm on, I'm in the next level. No, he, he went through some things. There were some things that happened and occurred in his life. There were choices that he made. There were actions that he took that got him to the next level. See, God's just not going to go poof, you're in the next level. Because God honors faithfulness. He looks at character. 
your integrity. God watched David handle those sheep. Some rabbis wrote about David and they said that he would take the smaller sheep and allow them to pasture first before the bigger, fatter sheep so that they could get stronger. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that was a rabbi that was writing that about David. And God saw how David handled the sheep. God saw how he was obedient to his father. God saw how he operated in the integrity. Amen? Those things lead up to the next level. Listen, before you get to the next level, God's going to work on you. He's not just going to put you into a next level without preparation or training or development. Amen? He even tells pastors, he said, don't put a person in the office of a pastor who's a novice. Why? Because they'll get puffed up in pride. That's why God has training for people. Before I came to Palmyra, he sent me to Tulsa or Broken Arrow. (laughs) Amen? And there was things that I I went through and and developed. All right? 1 Samuel chapter chapter 15. And uh, look at verse 6. And Saul... Well, okay. um, The mission was... Uh, he was to destroy all the Amalekites, everything that they had, because they had sinned against God and they had never repented. So they were set for destruction. This was God's judgment coming on the Amalekites. And the, and the, the mission to Saul was go and destroy all of Amalek because that, that came from God. Okay? And uh, here's Saul. And... Uh, Verse 6, Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from the uh, Amalekites. See, that, that's good. He was telling the people, look, the destruction is coming. You know, that's exactly what Israel did. <laughs> right? You need to get out of this part of the country. Why? Because we're coming. Right? And... Uh, You know, we just need to let Israel fight how Israel needs to fight. They don't need to be told how to fight, how to defend their country. Amen? Let's just stand with Israel and believe God for a swift victory. They don't need to be told, okay, uh, these people attacked you, but be kind to them. No! (laughs) Whoop their little, you know what? (laughs) All right, verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah. Until you come to Shur, that is opposite Egypt, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen. And of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge, that they destroyed utterly. They kept the good things, and they destroyed the bad things, but that wasn't God's word. 
God's word was to destroy everything. Okay? Now, we're not going to get into a debate on, on the judgment of God or, or anything like that. This is a command from God. God has reasons. Amen? God is just and righteous. He knows what he's doing. But like I said, don't accept what God rejects. See? You know, back in, uh, when Eli was a priest, his daughter-in-law had a baby and they named him Ichabod, which means the glory of the God has departed. Everybody say departed. departed. When the glory of God departs, what's left? Nothing but the flesh. And you're running on empty. All right? So, um, Verse 10, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king. Wow. Why? Because he's sinning. What is sin? It's not doing what God said. Basic, simple. Say, sin is not doing what God said. So if God told you something and you're not doing it, guess what? Sinner. I just said that for fun, for emphasis. Hey, let's go hear this man by the Jordan River preach. His name is John. All right, let's go. Hey, you brood of vipers. They went to a church service in the wilderness and they were called snakes. What'd you learn in church? They called me a snake. What was his message for a snake? Repent. Right? Why? Because they were living in it. Okay? So, um, verse 11, It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he turned his back from following me. He turned his back from following me. The reason God rejected Saul was because Saul rejected God. When Moses led the Israel out of Egypt. And he told them to go and spy out the promised land. He said, tell me what the people are like. Tell me what the land is like. Tell me what the cities are like. Tell me what the produce is like. Right? And he gave them specific directions to go and bring back word. And they spent 40 days in the wilderness. or They spent 40 days in Canaan, unharmed, by the way. All 12 spies came back without a scratch on them, right? But 10 of those spies talked about how big the giants are, and we are grasshoppers in our own sight. We are grasshoppers in their sight. If they were grasshoppers, the giants would have squashed them, but they didn't. But in their mind, they were grasshoppers, And they kept talking death, death. God only brought us out here to die. God wants us to die. That wasn't God's will. God wanted them to live. He wanted to enjoy the life. They kept calling death, 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 dying, dying, dying. They kept saying it. Guess what? God gave them what they said. They kept talking death. Wouldn't stop talking death. They died. (laughs) You got to speak life. Amen? Amen? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can either speak death or you can either speak life. You choose. 
It's, it's a simple shift, right? You can either frown or smile. It's your choice. Amen? Okay? So they had not performed my commandments. So Saul turned his back from following God. Because, see, once you leave the word, you leave God. Right? And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Why? Because he had high hopes for Saul. He, he thought that, I mean, this was God's anointed. All right? And uh, the Bible says that they were not willing to destroy everything. You know, you got to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. Amen? you got to have a willing heart to make yourself available to God to do whatever he wants. Amen? When I, when I found out my call, I had a willing heart. I, I prayed. I said, God, whatever you, want, whatever you want me to be, I'll be. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. If God said, go and be a janitor, I would have been the janitor. If God said, go and be this, I would have been that. And God told me to be this. He told me to preach the gospel. So I'm doing that. Amen? I let God decide because he's Lord. Say, God is Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. And I'm not. That means you've got to let the Lord say what he wants. Right? When you make Jesus Lord, you are committing your life to him. Just like he committed his life to us. This is next level living, folks. This is how we're going to get there. These are some things that we've got to overcome, that we've got to be careful of. You're never going to get to the next level if you don't do what God says. You've got to do what God says. I mean, my goodness. He wrote it in the book. Forty authors. He gave us a book so that we could follow it. Amen? He made it so easy and possible. All right? So, verse 9, Saul was disobedient. He was unwilling. God regretted that he made Saul. He was sorry. Now, that, that doesn't mean that God made a mistake. It means he was grieving over the sin. Did you know that sin grieves God's heart? You know, the, the New Testament says, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Oh, the Holy Ghost can be grieved? Yeah. When you don't cooperate with him, when you don't participate with him, when you don't honor him, it grieves him. When you're not the man or the woman that you're supposed to be, it grieves him. Why? He made us to to be these things. We can do all things. How many things can we do in Christ? That means we can be people of integrity. We can have good character because we can do all things through Christ. And let me tell you something. Uh, Your gifts will only take you so far, but where God wants to take you, it's going to be your character that keeps you. Why do you think Joseph had such favor with God? Because he participated with God's plan. He hated evil and he didn't participate with it. Right? Okay. Don't worry, we're going to get to the... All right? Now... uh, Look at verse 17, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, 
Were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. You talk about next level living. A man who's the son of Kish, who was a tall person. You know, poor Saul, he had dandruff because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. (laughs) Sorry, I just couldn't resist. But he was this tall dude that God took from obscurity and made him the first king. What an honor to be the first king of a people that God chose you, that God anointed you. God called you to this. That's an honor, right? You know, when God calls you, though, you got to live godly. You you can't operate God's call living like the devil. It's not going to work. You're going to fall. And and you're going to bring people with you, down with you. Okay? All right, verse 17. So, at the beginning, Saul had a humble view of himself. Okay? Until the Lord anointed you king. Verse 18. And the Lord sent you on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Verse 19. Wherefore then uh, did you not obey the voice? Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? Whoa. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the Lord. Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that when we disobey God, we want to argue about our obedience? (laughs) You're talking to God, buddy. He knows it all. You might as well just spill the beans. He already knows your heart. He already knows. It's not like God's surprised. He saw it. He heard it all. Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have gone the way the Lord sent me, and I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. No, he didn't. Agag was an Amalekite. He's there living. Oops. Be sure that your sin will find you out. Your sin will tell on you. Verse 21, this is funny. But the people took the spoil. Who's king? Who told them to go into battle? Saul did. They responded to his command. The people did it. Come on, be a king, buddy. Kings give commands. If you don't obey the king, you get your head chopped off. The people did it. You want to blame, everybody wants to blame their sin on somebody else. Everybody wants to blame their problem on somebody else. It's not my, I practice no fault Christianity. What does that mean? It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. It's a no fault Christianity. Amen. But we practice that, don't we, sometimes? The people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen. The chief things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord. Oh, now he's being religious. Oh, the reason they didn't do what God said is because they want to sacrifice to God. As, as if putting a religious spin on it is going to make it okay. <laughs> oh, well, you want to sacrifice. Well, no. <laughs> and then I like what Samuel said, verse 22 has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Listen, there's no amount of sacrifice you can make 
that would trump obeying God. There's no amount of service that you could do that would replace obeying God. And you know, sometimes we replace service as obedience because it's a good cover, right? But it's like you're a double agent. You're serving and on the outside it looks good. But Isaiah wrote, uh, your lips honor me, but your heart is far from me. Because they're going through the motions, going through the actions. Okay, don't worry, we're going to get to the next level here. All right. So, he said, rebellion is like witchcraft, disobedience like a false religion and idolatry. Think about that. Rebellion is as witchcraft, and uh, false religion is like a is like idolatry, rebellion. Okay. You know, uh, there were many reasons why God rejected people. Uh, they rejected His ordinance or His statutes or His word. They rejected the Lord. They lost God's purpose. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what your purpose is. You've lost your purpose. But you can find it. Amen? You can find your way today. They rejected God as their king. Uh, Judah rejected God's commandments. You know, we, we see this in the book of Judges. Right? Judges gives us a good picture. People would sin. Right? Right? That would destroy their relationship with God, and then an oppressor would come in, right? Not because God moved, because the people moved, right? And then the, the people would, they, they'd get tired of being oppressed. Oh, God, deliver us. Oh, God, save us. Oh, God, rescue us. So then he'd raise up a judge, right? The judge would come along. He'd whoop the enemy. People, oh, yes, praise the Lord. Then after a while, they'd be sinning again, right? And they'd get into a mess. They'd get into a pickle, Right? And uh, they'd cry out to God, and God in his mercy would send another judge, and the judge would come along, and the people, he, they defeated the enemy. People would rejoice, woo! Right? But then they'd go back into the cycle again. Guess what? People aren't your savior, God is. Listen, God can bring a deliverer, but you've got to have, have a relationship with God. The most important thing you can do is have a relationship with God. Daily communicate with him, worship him. Amen? So people rejected God, and uh, he would reject them, but the people's rejection of God always came first. You'll never read in the Bible where God rejected the people first. No, they rejected him first. They stopped following him. They stopped doing what he said. They stopped listening to him. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to go there. All right? Listen, God's love for you is strong, but his hatred for sin is strong too. He wants to protect you, deliver you, and rescue you, but sin wants to enslave you, confine you, and kill you. So God is against things that harm you. The reason he has, uh, uh, the reason he tells you not to do stuff is because he knows the harm that it can bring to you. All right? Um, All right, let's go back to 1 Samuel 16 now. And let's look at verse 7. Point number 3 to get to the new level is you got to have a heart for God. God was looking for a king that had his heart. How do you get God's heart? You spend time with God. You read his word. You pray. You worship. You give. You serve. 
and you're in doing it and you're putting God first and everything, that's how you have a heart for God. You have a heart for God by doing God's things. It has nothing to do with works. You're doing it out of a love relationship. Amen? So verse 7, 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, when, when he sent him to Jesse's house, he said, Look not on the countenance or on the height of his stature. Don't look, his, don't look at his muscles. His, or as Popeye would say, muscles. Because I have refused him. God doesn't promote flesh. He promotes a heart. I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks to the heart. He is the only one that can see what no one else can see, and that is your heart. Out of the abundance. Now, he's not talking about the vessel that pumps blood. He's talking about your inner man, your spirit. Whenever the Bible talks about heart, most of the times it's talking about the spirit. Amen? God sees and knows, God sees and knows if your heart is for him or not because your behavior reveals it. Okay? Here's, here's how, a heart for God is one that will carry out God's will. A heart for God is one that worships him faithfully and consistently. Everybody say consistently. That's an important thing. (laughs) We want God to show up every time, but we don't show up every time. A heart for God is one that loves him with all your heart, soul, and strength. And man, you're all in. How many are all in today for God? A heart for God is one who is quick to repent and quick to forgive. And Dr. Fiona already addressed the forgiveness part today. That Forgiveness doesn't negate their wrong. It just releases you from them. Amen? It's like a fish that's caught. You know, a fish that's caught goes everywhere the pole goes. It can't get away. And wherever that pole is, there's that fish. Why? Because it's hooked. You cut the line, and the fish is free. The pole's still there, but the fish is free. Amen? A heart for God is one that communicates with God diligently, serves God, or uh, communicates with God, diligently serves God, fellowships with God, listens and obeys God, and seeks God in everything. A heart for God is one that combines skill with godly integrity, faith with fruit, righteousness, peace, and the Holy Ghost, joy with determination and perseverance. Let me say that again. A heart for God is one that combines skill with godly integrity. Your natural and his supernatural become an explosive force for God. Any of our Ramah students ever hear that? The natural and the supernatural come together to make an explosive force for God, right? By the way, welcome our our Rhema students. We have Noah and Nate and Kelsey here. Hallelujah. It's good to have them back for a time. And, uh, okay, so a heart for God is one that combines skill with godly integrity, faith with fruit, spiritual fruit, Righteousness, peace, and joy, and Holy Ghost joy. Everybody say Holy Ghost joy. 
with determination and perseverance. See, your heart is the issues of life. That's why you've got to guard your heart. That's why you've got to protect your heart. Amen? Because out of it flow the issues of life. Okay? And uh, uh, let's go on here. Uh, let's go down to verse 11. 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. This is point number four. In order to go to the next level living, you need an anointing or an empowered by God to move to the next level. God will, for every different level God takes you, there's another anointing. Amen? Because you need the power of God for the level that he's taken you to. You want to be a millionaire, it's going to take the power of God to get you there. Amen? And it can happen in an instant. I mean, God transferred the wealth of Egypt to Israel in one day. Everybody say one day. How did they do that? Go ask your boss for their clothes, their gold, their silver, and their jewelry. Now, don't do that unless the Lord tells you. Well, I'm going to do what the Bible says. If God didn't specifically tell you to do it, it ain't going to work. He told the Israelites that's what they needed to do. And the Bible says that they plundered Egypt. Where do you think they got all the money to build the tabernacle? From Egypt. They took it with them into the wilderness. Hallelujah. Okay? So, um, verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are there not, uh, are these all your children? Yet the youngest, he said, there remains yet the youngest. Oh, we, we don't worry about him. Behold, he keeps the sheep. God says, his days of keeping sheep are going to come to an end. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. And he had a beautiful countenance. He was red complected. He, had a be- he had, was handsome. He was goodly to look at. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for it is he. So in order to go to the next level living, you've got to have an anointing of God. Amen. God doesn't make no junk. Arise and anoint him. So Jesse, now get this. So Samuel took the horn of oil. That was a container that the Lord told him, fill your horn with oil and go. And he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. All six brothers or seven brothers got to see David be anointed. And they knew exactly what that meant. All right, now here, now notice this. He took the horn of oil, verse 13, and anointed in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. My job is done here. See you later. Have a good night. Everyone who enters God's family is anointed. Look at first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. Hallelujah. So if you entered the family of God, you have been anointed. 
Why? God wants anointed family members. He wants anointed servants. Amen? He wants anointed people, okay? For us, uh, 2 Corinthians one twenty. for as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are yes and amen. Uh, we say our amen. Amen? Everybody say amen. Because God's promises are for you. Amen means so be it. Right? When, God, when you hear a promise of God, you say amen because so be it. That's happening in my life. That's mine. That belongs to me. Right? Okay? And uh, verse 21, now it is God who establishes and confirms us with you in Christ and who has anointed us. Say, I'm anointed. anointed. He who has also put his seal on us and has given us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. You're anointed and you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So stop messing around with the things of the world and start messing around with the kingdom of God. Amen? And uh, look at verse 14. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, the evil spirit didn't come from the Lord. I know it's written like that. There's a difference between causing it and... uh, Having it happen, all right? The, the reason an evil spirit came to him was because Saul's disobedience. Sin, who was the first one to sin? Devil. He sinned in heaven, didn't he? Bible says iniquity was found in his heart. He exalted himself above God. He was kicked out. So he is the author of sin because he was the first one to do it. Amen? But thank God that we're anointed. So God was transitioning from King Saul to King David. David used his anointing to dispel evil. Look at verse uh, 15. Verse 15. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubles you. See, when you're not obeying God, you're going to be tormented by the devil or by a demonic spirit. Okay? But let now, uh, let our Lord now command your servants, which are before you, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp, and it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon you, that he shall play with his hand, and you shall be well. And Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Imagine, see, now that he's anointed, people start noticing him. Okay? The anointing puts a mark on you. The anointing makes you attractive. Hallelujah. And he's a cunning in playing. He's a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and comely person, and the Lord is with him. They recognize that the Lord was with him. All right? So, uh, so uh, Saul sent for David, who was with the sheep. Right? Verse 21, David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Uh, and uh, Saul said uh, to Jesse, uh, uh, let David, I pray you, stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. See, the anointing opens up doors of favor. 
And it came to pass when the evil spirit of, from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hand and Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. See, when the anointing comes into a place, evil can't hang out there. Amen? So David used his anointing to dispel evil. Now, uh, the fifth thing that you need to know about entering the next level is you've got to overcome challenges that are the gateway to the next level. You've got to overcome challenges. I'm going to grab two things that I'm going to illustrate this with. They came to me this morning. Hallelujah. So now, David sends, his father sends David to the battlefield to deliver bread and cheese to his brothers and to the commander of the unit, right? Now, David has just been anointed. David is sensitive to godly things, but he's alert when he hears evil things, when he hears things that are against God. And he comes on the battlefield. See, uh, well, I got to tell you this. Um, Mm. See, the opening to the next level is going to come in your everyday, ordinary living. God's not going to put a sign saying, this is the door to the next level. <laughs> because the Bible tells us we need to walk by faith, not by sight. We need to live by faith. Amen? So as you're walking with God... Doing what you, doing your thing, God's good, that door is going to just come open. So David was doing his thing. What was he doing? Taking care of his father's flocks. Taking care of his father's sheep, right? So his father sends him to the battlefield. David listens to his father. He obeys his father. He serves his father. He makes sure the sheep are taken care of. He's responsible, right? He shows up on the battlefield with the anointing. And he's on the battlefield. And he hears... Goliath, who had been coming out for 40 days, tormenting the entire army of Israel. Every soldier in the Israel army was uh, paralyzed by fear because Goliath was able to speak for 40 days. No one said anything contrary to what he said. No one said anything against what he said. They were all silent in fear until a shepherd who was now a king But no one knew it. And he was about to be transitioned. He heard Goliath speak. And he's like, who is this uncircumcised? The very words that Goliath spoke were contrary to the spirit of God that was on David. And he immediately began to talk against it. Right? Let me just... So... When, uh, so David started inquiring about what happens to the man who kills this Philistine, right? And, uh, David knew that Goliath was an enemy of God. He knew that Goliath had to be killed. He knew that he was uncircumcised and without a covenant. That means he already lost. Say the enemy's already lost because the anointing is there. And David knew that there was a great reward for this battle, and David knew that he was anointed. Okay? And uh, so David's brother tried to... So here's David's faith talk. 
He said in uh, 1 Samuel 17:32, he said, let no man's courage fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight him. That's faith talk. Yeah. Amen. Because no one else was stepping up. No one else was saying anything. They were just, see, they were just letting things go. You can't just let the enemy talk. You've got to speak against it. You've got to speak contrary to it. Because if you're going to win, if you're going to enter the next level, it's going to be a war of words. Okay? So David said, don't let any man's courage fail. I'm going to go fight him. Uh, see, to move to the next level, you've got to know what you're called to do. And you've you know uh, you got to know what, that God is with you. Do you know that God is with you? But do you know that what you're called to do? David knew that that anointing means I'm going to be, I'm going to rule, right? So they needed a ruler on that situation because Saul didn't have the spirit of God. He couldn't contradict Goliath even if he tried. Because he had no power. So uh, David knew he was anointed and equipped by the Holy Spirit. His faith talk was he killed a lion and a bear. He talked about his victories. He, test, he didn't testify about his defeat. He testify, testified about his victories. Amen? Find something good and talk about it. David, David publicly spoke how Goliath taunted and defied the armies of God. Religion can't move you to the next level. Religion is dead, but God is alive. God, David called God the living God. He said the living God. All right? Uh, David magnified the Lord by testifying how the Lord rescued him from the lion and the bear, right? And, uh, and then Saul spoke, may the Lord be with you. Um, Saul gave him his armor, but uh, Saul wanted the glory. <laughs> he said, if you win with my armor, I get the glory. David said, no, this ain't going to work. <laughs> Amen? You don't try to be like the world. You, try to be, you just be you. Yeah. All right? So David, he won the war of words, and that day, he had his shepherd's staff. He laid his shepherd's staff down, and he started carrying a sword. Now, David didn't have a sword, but after he hit Goliath, after he rocked Goliath to sleep, he took Goliath's sword, and he cut Goliath's head off. So you've got to defeat the enemy utterly. He went from carrying a shepherd's staff to a sword. And he became the king that God had anointed him to be. He went into the next level. Yeah. Amen? And God's given you a sword of the Spirit, hasn't he? Hallelujah. You have a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you, you are now sword carriers. You have you been authorized by God to carry a two-edged sword. Hallelujah. And you can cut your way to prosperity. You can cut your way to victory. You can cut your way. You can cut down enemy soldiers. Amen. You've got a sword of the Spirit. You are now a sword-tearing warrior for God. Because that's the next level living. I used to be shy. And then God called me. Now I'm in next level living. Seriously. Hallelujah. So David faced his challenge. This was the final thing. The doorway, the gateway to the next level was a giant named Goliath. What's standing in your way? You've got to recognize that he's not a giant. This is an opportunity. Amen. David was the only one 
out of at least a thousand soldiers that inquired, what's the reward going to be? Now, everybody knew what the reward was, but David was the only one who asked about it. See, you don't want to get involved in a battle that doesn't have a reward. Amen? David knew the reward of serving God. He knew the reward of going to the next level. Amen? And I like David. He cut off that head. He took his armor and he kept the head. And when he went before Saul, he had the head of Goliath in his hands. Like, this is, you got to make sure the enemy knows that you are the victor. Amen. Amen. Jesus did this when he defeated the enemy. Colossians tells us he made a show of him openly. He dragged the defeated devil all throughout the spiritual realm saying, I am the victor. I am the champion. I am the conqueror. Hallelujah. And God has made you more than a conqueror through him. Hallelujah. It's time to go to the next level. Who wants to go to the next level? It may not be, it may not, you got to make a choice. If you want to go to the next level, stand up. Now don't just stand up. I want you to, I want you to want to go to the next level. Amen. How about the next level of physical health? Amen. Maybe 2023 was a year racked with pain. Let 2024 be a year when you walk in divine health. I'm not talking about healing. I'm talking about walking in divine health. There's a difference. Healing will get you out of the rut, but how are you going to stay out of the rut? Amen? I know people who were healed and lost their healing because they acted differently. Let's go to the new level in our finances. What's a new level in this church? Every seat of this place filled with people. Amen? That's the next level. We got to do that together. Amen? Hallelujah. Say, I'm going to a next level. I'm going to have next level living. I'm moving forward. I'm taking what's mine. I'm possessing what God's given me. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if you need prayer for your life, I know that there's an anointing in here. There's an anointing to propel you forward like the space shuttle taking off. Amen? If you need to be propelled forward in your relationship with God, in your physical condition, in your mental capacity, in your financial structure, hallelujah, it's a breakthrough moment today. God's going to break you through from one level to another level to the next level to the what He has for you. He brought his people out of Egypt, but he brought them into Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. Lazarus went in the tomb, but Jesus brought him out of the tomb four days later. Next level. Paul went from persecuting Christians to planting churches. Next level. Peter went from an empty boat to a full boat because Jesus got in his boat. Next level business. Next level business. Next level business. Next level business. One moment the boat was empty. Next moment it it had so much fish it almost sunk. Next level. 
20 people. And now there's thousands, multiple thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. Hallelujah. So if you need prayer for your life in any area, come up here right now in the name of Jesus. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. There's a next level anointing. A next level anointing. Next level. Next level. In the name of Jesus. Next level. In Jesus' name. Physical, financial, mental, spiritual. In the name of Jesus. Next level. A fresh anointing, Father. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Fresh anointing. In the name of Jesus. Next level. Next level. New anointing. New perspective.
saw those things in my office this morning when I walked in. He's like, you got to use those. I was like, okay. When you go on a mission trip with Steve Hoffman, you learn to use props. Listen, your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. What's ahead of you is far greater than what was behind you. All it takes is one step forward. One step. God, you take that step and God will meet you where you are. And he'll bring you up. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the work that you've done here today. And blazing this message in our hearts. Cause us never to forget what you said, what you put into us today, Father. And Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise for bringing it to pass. You truly are the way maker. And we follow you, Lord Jesus. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Go make a big splash in your community. God bless you. Have a great week.